us live at WLVL.com. Good morning, and welcome to Ask the Pro, a paid commercial program. The opinions expressed are those of the participating clients and not necessarily those of the management and staff of WLVL. Ask the Pro is an informational-based program designed to advertise the product and or service of the client and to introduce them to the WLVL listening audience. Your questions and comments are welcome throughout the show. Just call 716-433-1433. Good morning. You are listening to Ask the Pro here on WLVL 1340 AM, streaming worldwide at WLVL.com. My name is Eric Cook, and we are joined in studio with Dr. Ken Curbs. And by the way, today is January 26th. For those of you playing along at home, good morning, Dr. Curbs. How are you this morning? Good morning, Eric. I'm doing great. What a beautiful day today. <laughs> it's, it's been a day. Holy smokes. Between the uh, between the flooding and the fog and the rain, sleet, hail, snow, whatever is in the mailman's, whatever's in the mailman's creed, we're getting it today. Yeah. There's no. The one good thing is it's this rain has decreased the volume of, of snow that's out there. So it's yes. Good. You know, we need to we need to make more room. Yeah. For more snow for next time. I know. Hey, That's nice. six weeks, it's spring, okay? That's right, 52 days, yeah, I think, until yeah. spring, something so like we're that. Good. We're good. 19 days till Valentine's Day. Oh. <laughs> and 273 days till my birthday. Just wow. putting that out there. Wow. Not that I'm a numbers guy or anything. Wow. <laughs> so, so welcome into the new studio again. Yeah, it's, it's really nice to do these interviews face-to-face yeah. now. I'm, it's, it's so nice not to have this two. This is the first time in 32 years that I'm in the same room with the host. So this is kind of uh, interesting, and I kind of like it. Yeah. Nice room, comfortable, warm. You yeah. Know, it's, it's good. Yeah, it's so not, not freezing. Yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes it gets a little chilly yeah. with, the, uh, with the equipment to get so hot. The building is actually zoned for different parts of the building, so we'll have the heat on out in the foyer and the air conditioning on in the studio. Oh, okay. That's that's how that works. Well, I know there have been times I've come in here where when I'm in the room that I usually am in, um, it's quite cold where I have to leave my coat and stuff on. Right. You know, even in the summertime when you put the air conditioning on, it gets way too cold for me. Right. You know, so. Oh, well. I hear you. But uh, today, it's just perfect. right. It's perfect. All right. So Dr. Ken Curbs is a owner, proprietary uh, guy, the chief bottle washer and window washer, the good doctor at Curbs Chiropractic and Wellness, which is located at 741 Davison here in the city of Lockport. And if you would like to have a consultation with him in his office, you can call them at 434 That's his office number. But if you would like to talk to him today... You can call the studio right now, and you can talk to him on the air at 433-1433-433-1433. So, Doc, I see you got a a book with you that that's, uh, chiropractic has has a long, long history. Yeah. It goes back well, well, quite a ways. 1895. September 18th, 1895 is when chiropractic was first discovered. Um, in 1897 is when the Palmer School of Chiropractic was first established, um, where they, when uh, Dr. Dee Dee Palmer in Davenport, Iowa, um, basically started developing the science. He first made the discovery in, 18, in 1895. As he developed over the next couple of years, decided, hey, I want to pass this on and teach this to other people, and then established the school 
which still stands today, of which I am a 1983 graduate of um, nice. in Davenport, Iowa, um, the first um, and probably the, one of the most prestigious chiropractic colleges in the world because that's where it all started. It's they call it the Fountainhead. It's where you know everything began, mm-hmm. you know, in there and virtually every other school that then was established were as established as direct results of Palmer graduates, you know, so who maybe had a different idea or a different approach or whatever and moved on, you know, to uh, uh, different things and establishing schools now all over the world. For when I was when I was in school, there were only about probably about eight or ten chiropractic schools. All in the United States, there was one in Canada, and now there's schools in France, in Spain, in all you know, in England, um, in different places, uh, you know, throughout the world. Great. Now, I would think that throughout history, throughout mankind's history. Perhaps they had some of those practices under a different label. Um, yeah, there were there were different there were different types because I actually have pictures of you know ancient um, etchings on um, tortoise shells from China, right. showing different types of uh, manipulations or what we would call adjustments. But there was never a philosophy behind what we do and the whole concept of what's called a vertebral subluxation and. You know, so they did manipulations. They did, um, you know, resetting of dislocations and things like that, mm-hmm. but not into a concise science as what chiropractic is. Right, and, 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 and develop the philosophy behind it. Right, for yeah. whole health, right? Yeah. For the whole health deal, yeah. that's it. So it's interesting because, I mean, some of the times, you know, people people still have this misconception. And unfortunately, over the years, chiropractic has been kind of pigeonholed into this neck pain, back pain, you know, model of, you know, why would you go to a chiropractor unless you had neck pain or back pain? And um, that's why I kind of wanted to go back to do a, a, just a little excerpt, a little two-page excerpt from uh, this textbook. This is uh, the original chiropractic textbook uh, written by R.W. Stevenson in 1927 is when this was published. Nice. Okay. And what's interesting is the principles that were laid here back then, a hundred years ago, are still the principles of which I practice today. You know, that's the beautiful thing about chiropractic. It hasn't changed because when it's right, it's right. You know, you look at you look at conventional allopathic medicine from a hundred years ago to today, you they're unrecognizable. Okay, you can't even tell the difference. Um, whereas chiropractic has virtually stayed the same. There have been a lot of people who have tried to you know, evolve it and change it into something else, but the basic principles have stayed the same. So it's interesting because I just wanted to read this short thing and hopefully it'll stimulate some conversation. Sure. If not, it's just for information purposes. But this is page one of the freshman textbook in, in the in the chiropractic textbook, and it is the definition of what is chiropractic. Okay. You know, it says the science of chiropractic holds that a universal intelligence create created and is maintaining everything in the universe. This is manifested by movement and is called life. A specific, definite portion of this intelligence localized in a definite portion of matter and keeping it actively organized is called by chiropractic innate intelligence. The function of an inborn localized intelligence is to adapt some of the forces and matter of the universe in a constructive manner. Organization points to centralization or having a point of control. In animals, this point of control is in the brain. From this organ, innate intelligence sends its controlling forces via the spinal cord through the spinal column, thence through the nerve trunks emitting from the spinal cord and passing through the intervertebral foramina to nerve branches ramifying to all parts of the body. 
Perfect adaptation of universal elements for this body depends upon perfect control by innate intelligence. Perfect adaptation results in health, and imperfect control results in disease. Defective control by innate intelligence in nerve from any imperfection of innate intelligence, which is always perfect and assembles perfect forces in the brain, but from interference with the transmission of those innate forces through or over the nerves, owing to the spinal column being the only segmented structure of bone through which the nerve trunks pass, and the possibility of the displacement of its segments changing the size and shape of the intervertebral foramina. It is possible for subluxations to occur there and offer interference with the transmission of innate forces indirectly, if not directly. All disease is thus traceable to impingements of nerve tissue in the spinal column. Chiropractic is a science which consists in having scientific knowledge of this cause of disease and the art artistic ability to adjust and correct these displacements of the segments of the spinal column, thereby removing interference with the transmission of innate forces. Adjustment does not add any material or forces to the body, but allows innate to restore the normal that it would have had, had there been no interference. In this manner, health is restored. Chiropractic includes the study of all life, but that of the human body in particular. At the present time, adjustments are almost entirely confined to the human spine and restoring health to the human body. So th- this, is, this is what we do, you know, that, that you realize that our bodies, you know, there is a universal intelligence out there that basically, you know, how, however people uh, uh, see that, you know, whether it be in religious, you know, in religious circles, they call it God or the supreme being or whatever. But, you know, it's, it's, an, it's a universal intelligence. When that, how that universal intelligence is reflected in the human body is through what's called innate intelligence. We're a self-healing, self-regulating body. The only thing our bodies don't need is the interference. So as a chiropractor, the identification is, for me, is to identify where the interference is occurring and the, uh, the thing is the reason that we focus so much on the spine or the back is because that's where the movable segments are that the nerves pass out of where the impingement can actually occur so it doesn't necessarily you know a person can have a health problem and have no back pain whatsoever yet you want you where you want to look at is where is the interference within that system and as you remove that interference to help restore that person back to health so many times people come to me with specific complaints and as a result of undergoing care where we start removing the interference or what are called subluxations that is when all of a sudden they start noticing well oh my god i'm sleeping better and oh man i those digestive problems cleared up but that's not why i came in here my headaches are gone you know uh, my menstrual cycle restored you know all these things start happening because what my job is is to remove the interference right the only the only reason i touch a person's spine is because that is my access within to that okay and so you know when we talked about in that little in that little definition there they they talked about the term of subluxation and what a subluxation is the condition of a vertebrae that has lost its proper juxtaposition with the one above or the one below or both to an extent less than a luxation which impinges nerves and interferes with the transmission of mental impulses that is a, as a chiropractor that is my main focus is to determine where is the subluxation within that nervous system and to remove that through what's called okay. a chiropractic adjustment right so the pathway 
it's like a pathway obstruction. Then. It is. A, it, that is exactly what it is. In and, my, and, in in order, and in order, basically, for any disease process to occur or for any malfunction to occur, there has to be interference because, you know, it is established that innate, the innate intelligence is always 100 percent. It's perfect. It knows exactly what to do. It, it, it's only when it gets interfered with that there's interruption and creates what's called disease or dis-ease. You know, it doesn't necessarily if, if dis-ease, you know, or like an uncomfortable feeling is let go long enough, then it develops into much more severe situations. Well, I found it rather remarkable where it said all disease yeah. goes through that. Yes. doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. There has to be a breakdown in the system. Right. You can always trace it back. You're not going to find a person who, let's say, develops cancer that does not have some level of interference or what's called subluxation within their spinal column because that that's what disrupts the system in the first place. And then if you're not focusing on that, which is where our healthcare professions have gone so far away from that, they've become so distant from that that they're always looking at the end result of what is the outward symptom. Okay, if a person, what's interesting, you know, we talked about, um, you know, we just went through this whole pandemic thing, you know, and, you know, they started talking about the asymptomatic transmission. Okay, well, prior to COVID-19, you know, asymptomatic meant healthy. Okay, if you had the lack of symptoms, you were healthy. Right. Until COVID came along. Then all of a sudden we put this mysterious thing in there that, you know, you could still pass it along even though you don't have any symptoms. That was never a concept beforehand. However, you know, a, a person can have underlying issues and not be consciously aware of them. And that's why so many times you'll see a person who is all of a sudden decides, well, I better go get checked. And they discover they have stage four cancer of someplace, you know, yet they had no warning or indication or anything like that. Because what you realize is that symptoms are always the last thing to show up in a disease process. They're also always the first thing to disappear as someone starts healing. So it's interesting when someone comes into me with an acute pain situation And once they get out of pain, they think, I'm all better. I'm cured. Okay. And if they choose at that point, they'll discontinue care. Or some of them say, you know what? You know, it's not. I mean, we have ways of looking at that to see how much is cleared and how much isn't with the diagnostic stuff that we do. Mm -hmm. Um, But then sure enough, they'll come back. You know, they may leave and then they come back six weeks later and they're in the same mess again. It's like because it never was resolved. Symptomatically, they felt better. Okay, you can get an, you know, chiropractic adjustments can do amazing things as far as relieving the underlying pressure. You know, a person I've seen fevers relieve instantaneously. I've seen headaches relieve instantaneously. You know, I've seen pain and and muscle spasm and stuff relieve instantaneously. But does that stay that way? If there's some underlying structural weakness, it probably won't. And that's where it takes a little bit of work to get that. Mm -hmm. It's basically rehabilitating that. You know, it's interesting. Someone will go to a physical therapist, you know, they don't go to a physical therapist one time and they're cured. You know, there's a rehab program. I mean, my mom just went through, you know, my mom broke her arm of five or six weeks ago and went through quite a process of rehabilitation, you know, as a result of that. Healing takes time, okay? Correction of what are called subluxations or misalignments within the spine take time, especially the more chronic that they are. If they've been there for a long time, they're going to take some time to, to correct and right. to heal. You walk five miles into the woods, you're going to walk five miles back out you're of the woods. You're going to. Right. You're going to, you know, and that, and that but sometimes it can happen, it can happen a lot quicker. You know, it can happen a lot quicker because the thing is, is you can remove that 
you know, once you remove that interference and you reestablish the alignment, all of a sudden, you know, it, it can I had a conversation with a patient this week on um, orthotics. You know, I do custom orthotics for, you know, feet to correct, you know, uh, foot distortions, what's called pronation and, you know, different things uh, supporting the arch support system. And he couldn't understand how these, you know, our orthotics were going to help him. The thing is, is that he had his right arch was quite significantly collapsed, his left one to to not as much of a degree, but it created a real imbalance, which again, you know, with his right arch being collapsed, it, it puts some inward, what's called medial tension on his, on his right knee, which affected his hip, which affected everything. Well, if we can remove the pronation or the imbalance within his feet, we have now set a solid foundation. Then as the corrections go through the adjustments, this person is going to go so much faster and be so much stable because now we've already established a base that is correct. Right, or then. that is supported properly. It may never be perfect, but at least now it is a supported in the position in which it should be. And that's an easy fix. Right, because then it, incrementally it will go. Right, because then again, as the body adapts to that correction within the orthotic, all of a sudden you start getting improvement in the other areas. It takes the physical pressure. You know, when we remove the pronation of the foot, we then take the stress off the medial knee. We then take the stress off the hip. You know, the, the pelvis starts realigning and the shoulders start realigning. And all of a sudden we now are creating a better balance within the system. Then as you make the chiropractic adjustments and corrections to the spinal misalignments and other misalignments, then you, you move this process through so much quicker. Right. So much quicker. Right. And, and, and the, I believe the key word there is process. It is, it is a process. And not, all processes take time. Right. It's not an event. Right. It's a process. And it frustrates me when someone comes in and expects immediate uh, resolution of their right. problem. Not going to happen. It doesn't happen. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Dr. Ken Curbs from Curbs Chiropractic and Wellness, which is located at 741 Davison Road here in the city of Lockport in New York. And we welcome your questions, comments, thoughts, or concerns. Just give us a call at 433-1433. That's 433-1433 in the 716 because I know that we have people from all over the globe that are listening. Yes, they are. They're everywhere. In Texas, Thailand. Yes, it's wonderful, isn't it? It's great. WLVL.com is our friend. Yes. So don't be afraid to call in with your questions, comments, thoughts, concerns, because we'll address... Who would have ever thought a little local AM radio station would reach the world? I know, right? A little thousand watt radio station. And you know what's interesting is, uh, talk about that, talk about chiropractic connection to radio. You realize that Dr. B.J. Palmer, who was the developer of chiropractic, was also a major developer in the radio world no. back in the days and owned the first radio station west of the Mississippi River Get out of and here. owned radio stations in uh, Davenport, Iowa and Des Moines, Iowa, you know, WHO. And WOC were the two radio and television stations that still exist in Davenport, Iowa, that were started, founded, and developed by Dr. B.J. Palmer. And there's actually a textbook that Dr. B.J. Palmer wrote back in the 30s on radio advertisement, which became the number one used um, book on radio advertising and marketing in all these major universities and colleges and stuff like that. No kidding. Yeah, people don't even have any idea about that. But B.J. Palmer was instrumental in the development of, of radio back in the day. 
Wow, yeah. so you have closer contacts to him than just in yeah, chiropractic. Yeah, it's really kind of interesting. You know? It's got to be a lot of fun following it, in those footsteps. It's amazing. I actually, I actually got his textbook. It has nothing to do with chiropractic, but it has everything to do with radio, and it was just fascinating. You know, oh, that, that's a great read, see I'm sure. This, this, guy was, this guy was a brilliant, brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. um, I just finished reading a couple months ago one of his books from back in the 20s. Um, it was called The Bigness of the Fellow Within. It's 850 pages long, Ooh. and it's basically his whole history of how he evolved and he was very involved in the circus world and the Barnum and Bailey circus and and um, and just a worldwide traveler entrepreneur ultra successful for his time was you know intimate friends with multiple presidents of the United States and and just a very very uh, influential person in the world not just not just in Iowa right so now he was a medical doctor no he was not, he was a, medical not a medical doctor, doctor. He was a chiropractor Okay, so okay. what led him his, to that? So his father, Dr. D. Palmer, was a, quote, magnetic healer in the 1800s, and he was the one who discovered chiropractic and then developed that. Hmm. And B.J. Palmer was his son who then took the profession and evolved it into what it is today. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, let's take a call here. Good morning, caller. You are on the air with Dr. Ken Kerbs. How are you this morning? Are we there? And he hung up, or oh. she hung up. Yeah, we'll get back. They'll try again. Yeah. four three three one four three three. So that was a fascinating story you were just in the middle of. It's, it's amazing. A, a People don't realize healing? he was a magnetic healer. But this was back in the 1800s, okay? Is there anything and to that? I, I don't know what he did. I don't know what he did. You know, there was a lot of, you realize back then, there was a lot of energy healing that uh, homeopathic medicine was, was huge back then. You know, that there were a lot of other healing uh, techniques and methods that were utilized. And it was only when the whole pharmaceutical industry came in, when the Rockefellers and you know, and those came Rothschilds. in and started and started developing the petroleum-based drug f- thing that they basically ousted in and got rid of all the naturopaths and the homeopaths and and so forth. Right. I mean, those people still exist, but not th- those were the majority of of healthcare. You know, back 150 years ago. Sure. You know, and then they they kind of really ousted. And even even the osteopathic profession, you know, back in its early days, was very similar to chiropractic. Actually, chiropractic and osteopathy were discovered around the same time, which was also the same year that x-ray was discovered back in 1895. By three college students who bribed a janitor to get into the professor's office and they accidentally discovered x-rays. But x-ray didn't become into use into chiropractic until a little bit later. You know, um, but that but BJ BJ Palmer was the first to develop the X-ray in healthcare. You know what's called the spinograph, where he was taking you know X-rays of human spines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Palmer College also has the largest um, osteological collection in the world of you know preserved spines and skeletal systems and stuff like that. It's amazing when when I was in school there, you know, the, to see. Just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of full skeletons of all kinds of deformities and all kinds of uh, oddities. It was, it was fascinating. Right. Well, I know that uh, uh, certain forms of anthropological studies were done during the Korean War as far as being able to, uh, you know, you, you measure parts of the bones. It tells you how, how big that person was or how right. tall they were. Right. right down to what their race was. You know, if you, if you have scalloped teeth, your chances are you're right. an American Indian. 
the the mandibular notch, you know, if you're a woman or a man. And, sure, sure. And that, well, that's how they, you know, through time, you know, how man has, you know, evolved as far as skull size and, mm-hmm. and proportion of brain and so forth, you know, and then. And that's but that was what thing that fascinated B.J. Palmer was that he was really intimately involved. In. And you got to realize these were the days before television, before radio, before any of this stuff, you know, so people like immerse themselves, you know, into that. And he was literally a world traveler. He was everywhere right. collecting and, you know, doing I mean, to see this man's collections of um, not only things related to the healthcare system, but just his collections of um, antiquities and uh, um, artifacts, Chinese art, amazing, priceless, you know, priceless pieces um, that were, you know, that he developed or that he collected over right. his many, many years. Good stuff. Yeah. Fascinating. When you look at the history and people don't have any clue, you know, people today think I don't go to a chiropractor. People say, well, my back doesn't hurt. Why would I go to a chiropractor? Why would I take my child to a chiropractor? Okay. Why would I take my newborn infant to a chiropractor? Okay. You know, those moms out there who have those super fussy babies who aren't sleeping, who are colicky, you know, who are, um, can't be settled. It's because of the interference within their nervous systems that is allowing to be that way, Mm -hmm. you know, and in, in conventional medicine, they don't know what to do with that. So, you know, they just pacify the mother and say, well, they'll outgrow it or, you know, run a vacuum cleaner by them or whatever, you know, drive them around the block. Yeah. Or drive them around the, I had a, I had a friend of mine, they literally, he had twins. He literally every night, he would put them in the car and drive for 45 minutes to an hour to put them to sleep every night. It was incredibly frustrating. One time we were there for an evening with just, and he goes, come on with me. And I'm going, what are we doing? He gets the kids in the car. They were, you know, they were young. We drove around for 45 minutes. I mean, to put these kids to sleep, I go, you do that? They do it every night. It's like, Wow. Wow. You know, I don't know. When I put my kids to sleep, I put my kids to sleep. But my kids were well. I never had a fussy kid. I never had a mm-hmm. colicky child. I never had any. My children never had ear infections or strep throats or anything like that. That didn't right. exist in my house. Mm-hmm. And people say, you're so lucky. It's like, no, you're not lucky. You can't be lucky five times. Okay. Right. You know, the thing is, is that my children were checked and adjusted from day one right. and throughout the course of their lives. It's a pattern of behavior. You know. So it makes a difference so that for that really frustrated mom or that mother who has that neurologically challenged child who is having all kinds of issues with learning disabilities and all that stuff. One of the things they tend not to look at is what's going on neurologically and structurally within that child. You know, so I I take a look at that child. We evaluate it from a neurological standpoint to determine where the interference is within the system. Then also you have to um, you have to get. Um, you have to look at their nutrition because that's a huge factor that comes into play when you're dealing with a child is not only how are they neurologically, but how are they nutritionally. And when you look at you look at the standard American diet today and you look at what children are being raised on food wise and and it's 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 amazing how we're we're, we're destroying our children by what we're feeding them. All right. this ultra processed food, high in sugar, high in chemicals, you know, high, you know, because it's easy, it's convenient and it's cheap. You know, when in fact people not see, need to start getting back to basics as far as like cooking real whole food right. and nourishing their children and their families appropriately. Grandma was right. Yeah. You are what you eat. You absolutely, there is no doubt about Grandma. that. Yeah, there right. is. There Grandma's is, wisdom. Take a look at anybody. Yeah. You get you give me a person who's in terrible health or morbidly obese, boy, they are exactly what they eat. 
watch right. what they're putting in their mouth. Right. You're one great big Twinkie and a Diet Coke. It's a direct relationship, okay? You clean that up, the rest of it cleans up by itself. You know, I've seen that happen. Sure. You know, I've seen it happen. I've worked, I've Your coached brother. people through, right, my brother. Right now, my brother has lost 18 inches in his waist. Yeah. 18 inches. He has gone from a 54-inch waist to last week he is down to 36. 100 and I think he's at 115 pounds gone. Wow. Okay. I bet he feels. He is like a different human being who is now beginning to thrive, whereas before he was looking intimately as far as when was he going to die. Right. Okay. Now, I got to just off the well question. Has this affected his cognitive abilities as well? Absolutely. I mean, just his whole outlook on life. I mean, the severe depression he was dealing with, you know, the 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 inactivity, the the phenomenal amount of chemicals that he would have to put in his body to sustain his daily functions. Mm -hmm. You know, he was insulin dependent on 160 units of insulin, of injectable insulin a day. If anybody understands insulin, that is a lot of insulin to be putting into your body every day. He is off all of it. People say, oh, we can't reverse type 2 diabetes. You absolutely can. You created type 2 diabetes by what you're putting in your mouth. You can uncreate it or eliminate it by what you're not putting in your mouth or by what you are putting in your mouth. Right. Okay. So it's a, it's a simple process. It's really not that difficult. The problem is most people aren't willing to do what it takes to do that. Okay, that's right. Because as a society, we are carbohydrate and sugar junkies, oh, absolutely yeah. addicted, um, without a doubt. Yep. And that is the I that am. is where the problem lies. Yep, no question there. I am. That is where the problem lies. So for those of you who may be joining us late this morning, you are listening to Dr. Ken Curves from Curves Chiropractic and Wellness, located at 741 Davison Road here in the city of Lockport. We would love, absolutely love to have you join this conversation. It doesn't have to be about diabetes or anything like that. You can just call with your questions, comments, thoughts, or concerns about anything going on because, well, let's face it, the good doctor is a well-rounded guy. There's a call right now. All right. Good morning, caller. You are on the air with Dr. Ken. How are you? Oh, good. Yeah, I was just wondering, I have a question with Dr. Ken. Yep. I got uh, road cup issue problems. Yep. And I was just wondering if chiropractic would, uh, like, relieve some of the pain or would help with that. Let me let me ask you a couple questions. First of all, how old are you? I'm 68. 68. And, and did this occur as a result of an injury? Uh, probably. I fell on my shoulders a few times. Okay. And, you, that and, you, and stuff. you have or have not had surgery on it? I haven't had surgery yet. I've had x-rays, and yesterday I just went for an MRI. Yesterday you went for an MRI. Okay. Yes. But you don't have the results of that yet? No. Okay. So first of all, I've dealt with many people with those type of situations over the years. Mixed results, okay? So I would certainly want to see what the result of that MRI is to determine, first of all, how if it is truly a rotator cuff tear and, and how extensive that tear is, okay? First of all, the reason I ask your age, on a 68-year-old man with a rotator cuff tear, someone may suggest surgical intervention. A lot of times in those type of situations, they're not real successful. Um, you know, but, but chiropractic can make a huge difference with that type of thing because it's not just the rotator cuff musculature that's supporting that shoulder but what's going on as far as the neurological component to that shoulder and and so many times when i see a person with rotator cuff issues or shoulder issues there are also neck issues that are going on into play because that's where the primary nerve supply comes to that area so when you get when you're getting shoulder and arm involvement you better not be 
ignoring what's going on in the cervical spine, especially the upper cervical spine um, when it comes to that. So from that point of view, I've dealt with many of them over the years, um, have had very good results with a lot of them. It really depends on how extensive it is and what ha- the fact that you haven't had any intervention at this point is actually better for you. Okay. If somebody has already had surgical repairs, it makes it more difficult because now you're dealing with an alteration of the structure and you're dealing with scar tissue in there. But so many times you can really make a difference. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. um, I'd rather put off any surgery if I have to for right now. I, I agree mean, with they, you. <laughs> the x-ray showed, I guess, I got a little bit of arthritis in there, too. Okay, yep. Um, but um, yeah, like but the, I said, then they sent me for the MRI, and I right. went yesterday. Well, the MRI is going to be more definitive as far as the rotator cuff. You're not going to tell a rotator cuff tear on, an, on a conventional x-ray. You can see the degenerative changes. So, so if you ever decided to come and see me, I would want to see those x-rays and the MRI of that of that area so that I can make a determination how involved that is. But the one thing that they're not looking at is your cervical spine, which is where all the primary nerve supply to those areas comes from. And if you're ignoring that, you're ignoring the biggest portion of it. That's where I get the most results is when you can clean that up. Um, the rest of it really, really does a lot. So, Okay, well, thank right. you very much you for bet. the information. Yeah. I'll have to make an appointment. Yeah, best of luck with that. Thanks. Okay, thank you. Take care. Yeah. Thanks, caller. Yeah, those are the kind of things that, you know, you, you got to take them on an individual basis, you know, because obviously, you know, a 30-year-old with a rotator cuff tear is going to be very different from a 68-year-old with a rotator right. cuff tear. Okay. Um, the, again, he, he already, sh- you know, the x-ray showed some already early degenerative changes occurring within the shoulder joint. Now, how much is that playing a role in the, um, in the rotator cuff? Is it a true rotator cuff? The MRI will show that, okay? That's right. why he just had that done. So I would certainly want to see what's going on sure. with that. But even with a rotator cuff tear, a lot of times it's not a 100% tear of the muscle. It's a partial tear. It might be a 40% tear or something right. like that. That would not, in a 68-year-old man, would not warrant a surgical intervention. In a, in a 30-year-old competitive athlete, it would. Right. Okay? But not in a 68-year-old man. Right. No. He's an arm wrestler. So, which, would, which would really create a lot more headache as he aged and got older because right. now you've you've interfered with that whole system. You've kind of opened Pandora's box right. and it really creates some the situations. consequences of the yeah. consequences. You've got to see if the shoulder pain isn't coming from the degenerative arthritic changes in the shoulder and right. not a rotator cuff tear. That's a, you know, it's a very, very common diagnosis. Um, you see it when I've seen it over the years, the the common ones, fibromyalgia, a big one. You know, when when a person has um unspecified generalized pain and we can't put our fingers on what it is it's diagnosis fibromyalgia and they're just brushed off many of them are put on antidepressants and you know antipsychotic drugs because they c- consider it a, an emotional problem okay um any shoulder issue is many times diagnosis a rotator cuff tear um any pain rating in a leg of any kind is diagnosis of sciatica when in fact, so many times it's just not. Right. You know, I've been in practice for many, many years. It is rare to see a true sciatic nerve impingement. It's horrible. I mean, it, it, it's really, really horrible when somebody gets that. I've seen very few. I've seen many, many people with lower back pain that radiates into their leg, but not a true blown sciatica. Right. Yet, it's so commonly diagnosed as that. Is it just convenient to? It is. To it, di- it, it, make it's that about diagnosis? it's about not really being specific in differentiation. You know, you got to realize that. You know, so many medical doctors now. You know, back. You know, 
50 plus years ago, well, it's even more than 50 years now, but you know, you had the general practitioner, that was the doctor. He did everything. You right. know, he delivered the babies until, you know, he took care of you from the day you were, from the time your mother was pregnant to the time you died. Okay. Right. That one doctor took it. So they had an understanding of everything. Today, you know, when my, when my mother broke her arm, she had an orthopedic surgeon that only specializes in shoulders and elbows. That's of, his whole world. Of octogenarians <clears throat> and above. Of anybody. <laughs> but of anybody. Yes. But that's his focus. If it's a knee or hip, no. It's got to be a shoulder or elbow. But, I mean, they, they've become so, so microscopically, you know, focused on one body part that we forget the dynamics right. of what's going on. Like I talked earlier in the show about the orthotics. You know, if you're not creating a balance within the base and, 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 and laying that proper balance foundation, you're going to mess up everything above that. Yeah. You know? So that's one of the things, you know, I've, I've utilized, you know, um, optical scanning for orthotics and stuff for years, but I've incorporated that in my new, every new patient that comes into my office now is going to be scanned for that type of thing mm -hmm. to see how much of that is playing a role in this. And then they can make a choice. Do you want to do something about it or not? It's a choice, you know, but I want to be aware of it and I want them to be aware of it. You know, so that they can be more informed. Because sometimes it gets real frustrating of a person not making the progress that they need. When in fact, all of a sudden, you throw you bring their base back into balance with a with a customized orthotic, and all of a sudden, it's like, wow, this person's like, you know, changes and 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 progresses, you know, progresses very quickly. You know, I I wear I wear custom orthotics. I have for many many years. But every once in a while, I'll go for a while. I might change a shoe and I forget it, and all of a sudden, you know, I started developing some left knee pain. I'm going, like, what is going on? I don't have any knee injury or anything. Like and I realized, gosh darn it, I'm going without my orthotics. Right. Put it back in within a week or two. All the knee pain goes away. Right. You know, because again, I bring the balance back into it. But see, the general, see, I'm very much more aware of my body than the average person. But most people are are clueless. You know, they'll start running to the orthopedic surgeon because their knee pain hurts. You know, when in fact, if they just uh, created a balance within the system and cut out the carbohydrates and sugar in their diet, they would, you know, if most people cut out carbohydrates out of their diet, the vast majority of their inflammation would go away. And all disease processes, you know, we talked about a subluxation or a misalignment right. being the underlying source of all diseases. But once that occurs, that's when inflammation now kicks in and the inflammation process is what drives the disease, you know. Right. So any cancer or any type of situation like that, you know, arthritis, the word itis means inflammation of, okay? We have gastritis, inflammation of the stomach, you know, colitis, inflammation of the colon, okay? They're all itises because they all start from an inflammatory process. Right. And inflammation is driven by carbohydrate intake within the body. Interesting enough, we talked about this in the past. You cannot live without protein and fat in your body. You must have essential fatty acids and essential amino acids. There is no nutritional requirement in the human body for carbohydrates of any kind. Hmm. So it's interesting that the greatest driver of disease, the greatest driver of, of inflammation, the greatest driver of diabetes, you know, obesity is carbohydrate intake. Yet we have a food industry and a pharmaceutical industry that promotes we have a we have a food pyramid that promotes the greatest number of intake in your daily diet should be of carbohydrates. <clears throat> Crazy. You know, that's the that's the American which sta is standard American diet, which it, is all sugar. It's all sugar. It yeah. all converts into sugar. Bread turns into people sugar. say, well, I don't eat sweets. Well, you eat bread and pasta. That's sweet. It, it converts the same way. Sure. 
<clears throat> it converts the same way. It's sugar. It burns glucose in your body. Right. Alcohol is pure sugar. Absolutely. It, it drives the whole inflammatory mm-hmm. process. But to get people to give that up, that's another whole story. Right. That's, it's no different than telling a heroin addict to go cold turkey and give up heroin. Right. Okay. It's no different. It's, it stimulates the exact same centers, the dopamine centers of the brain. It still stimulates that, that gratification centers within the brain that, make us, that drive us to keep doing it more and more right. and more. Right. So, so someone who has an eating problem, who eats too much. Yeah, it is the same part of the brain that someone has Absolutely. a heroin problem. It is the same. It is the same centers that do that. Right. It's so the same centers. You the know, part that says this feels good. So it feels good. Do- that's dopamine. That's, is that what it that, is? Right. Or? Dopamine. It feels good. Right. Why does an alcohol drink alcohol? Because it feels good. Because it feels good. Right. You know? And then all of a sudden you have to drink. It. Right. And because that right. Then because good. then because your brain says I want. It's no. Let me tell you something. Take a take a person and and wean them off of sugar. They're going to go through the same thing. They're going to get really mad and nasty at some point if they go cold turkey. Uh-huh. Okay. Somebody's pointing at me yeah. about the sugar. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm a Mountain Dew addict. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's one thing. I wouldn't even allow my children to have that when they were younger. Well, I wouldn't yeah. even allow them to have that. <laughs> yeah, it's got, uh, remember, jolt? Yeah. Oh, all, yeah. All the sugar and twice the caffeine? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's bowl. amazing, you know. Yeah, yeah but... People don't realize that, but we have an industry that promotes it. Right. Okay. If you, if you look at this, all the marketing. Cool. Right. Look at all the marketing. Look at all the celebrities and the sports figures and all these things that promote this stuff. Right. You'll be cool. Well, if they drink it, then I drink it, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting that um, there was a uh, there was a huge um, documentary about five six years ago that came out that really influenced a lot of people. It's called The Game Changers, and it was literally a propaganda piece for the vegan diet. But um, and James Cameron, the you know the producer that did uh, Titanic and things like that. Of course, what they didn't realize is his financial interest was a hundred forty million dollar uh, um, investment in a pea protein, plant based protein company that was. Oh my God, we got a solution. We have this pea based protein that can fund you know can fuel right. your fuel your uh, vegan diet. Okay, and so they we- had all these at- all these professional football players and all these athletes who were saying, "Yes, I'm a professional athlete and I'm a vegan." It's like let me tell you something. Not one of them got to that level being a vegan okay no. they just didn't okay you can call yourself you know so yeah so last year you went on a vegan diet but you know for you three built, weeks yeah but for, for the last 30 years you built this amazing athletic frame that you've built you know but now you're doing that so you know the thing is you know there's such a push for this plant-based vegan-based diet which is so it's it's not sustainable you know someone could stay on a vegan if they stay on a really clean vegan diet they'll last about five years before they start having some really significant uh nutritional breakdowns um you know, to be on a vegan diet, you have to do a, a fair amount of heavy supplementation in order to get all your nutrients right. Well, that should tell you right away it, it shouldn't be right. If you have to do a lot of heavy supplementation in addition to what you're eating, you should be getting all your nutrients from what you're eating. You know, and, and you can't do that on a vegan diet. Hmm. So there's so many there's so many controversies about that. But yet we have industries, we have uh, powers that be that are really the environmentalists and so forth that are really pushing this. OK. Mm-hmm. And really the stemming of the whole the whole ve- veganism and stuff like that stems from uh, a, a religious ideation from the Seventh Day Adventist Church back many, many years ago. Right. And that's where the whole the whole dietetic industry developed as a direct result of the Seventh-day Adventist church, which had the religious ideology, not a scientific nutritional ideology. 
Okay, isn't that funny how the religious ideology has driven this whole sure. um, situation today? I'm, I'm just finishing up a book now called The Great Plant-Based Con. It's a 450-page book on the whole evolution mm-hmm. of it. And it's not about saying don't eat plants, but it's saying, you know, it's, it's obviously promoting more of an omnivorous diet of having a mixture, but the necessity for, you know, pro- animal-based foods within your diet, they're, they're, they're critical, they're necessary, right. you know. And then the whole ideology behind this drive, driving of this plant-based or vegan-type lifestyle. Well, um, it, it, it just seems to me, whether it be a plant-based, vegan, uh, pharmaceutical, whatever, they say, well, geez, we've created their solution. Now let's figure out what problem we can make to, to sell the solution. Right. They, they get the well, solution before they figure out what, right. before they can market if, a problem. Right. That's exactly what they did. They did that with ADH drugs. Adderall, Adderall was a drug that they had, and then they developed attention deficit syndrome to, right. to, to fit that drug. Yeah, that's you what know, I'm saying. Kind of interesting. Um, Oh, where was I going with that? You, 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 when you, what you just said before that, I just, I just had a blank. Um, it's just, it's just mind-boggling. You know, when you see these drugs on television, ask your doctor if this is right for you. Because if you have yeah. this symptom, you know, yeah. you might have this disease. And if you have this disease, then you might want this drug. Right. But so if you take this I, drug, I just, it might I kill just you. Remembered what that is? Yeah. Listen to the side effects on those drugs. They, all, you know, it's, it's like, are you kidding me? Would you be willing to take that for the, for the outcome that they say it's going to give? It? So listen to this. A person eats a nice New York strip steak. Okay, yeah. single ingredient, right? One right. ingredient, meat. Okay, plant-based meat. <laughs> Look at the ingredients in that. There's about forty or fifty ingredients to make a plant-based meat substitute. And you it's know, it's so highly processed; it's chemicals. all kinds of garbage. You know, but it's plant-based, and people think that that's healthy. No, just eat the New York strip steak. You're going to get far more benefit as far as your essential amino acids, essential fatty acids, the essential nutrients that you need from that steak than you are from trying to, you know, put together. It's like it's like you know, pet foods now. You know, they're so. They're they're so chemically put together. You wonder why you know pet pets don't live as long as they as right. long as they used to because these diets are just absolutely horrendous in what yeah. they in what they feed them. You know, uh, uh, dogs and cats are carnivores. Okay, right. That's what they should be eating. They shouldn't be eating you know uh, watermelon and blueberries and carrots. Okay, that's not part of their ancestral diet. Right. Okay. So, you but know. they 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 make uh, animal food that uh, appeals to humans. Yeah, look at the picture. Yeah, well, yeah. of course, because that's what they do. They, you know, they even this, even this like farmer's dog or whatever. It's got all the meat and vegetables they, yeah. that you need. It's like no, in the an, dogs don't need the in vegetables. In a nice gravy, right? Right, because it looks good, right? And right. it smells good. Hey, Amazing. Dr. Curb, thank you so much. I, I feel like I get to go to college for free every time you come in. <laughs> I look forward to seeing you again in a couple of weeks. Yep. And until then, uh, final thoughts. Final thoughts. Um, I don't know what to say, except next Tuesday is my baby child, my youngest daughter's 22nd birthday. Oh, I can't believe boy. my baby is going to be 22 oh, and graduating joy. from college in five months. Oh, goodness. So, yes. All great. right. Well, listen, thank you so much, Doc. We'll see you in two weeks. All right. Thank you. All right. Listeners, take care. We'll see you soon.